Welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast, brought to you by Manufacture CT and sponsored by Cone Resnick. Advisory, assurance, tax, and online at coneresnick.com. On every episode, we take the opportunity to learn more about a local manufacturing business. On this edition of Meet the Manufacturers, I'm joined by Taylor North and Zach Clayton from Dimension Polyant, who are the leading sailcloth manufacturer. With factories in Germany and right here in Putnam, Connecticut, Taylor is the company's head of technical fabrics and Zach is the company's sales cloth manager. Easy for me to say. Taylor and Zach, welcome to Meet the Manufacturers podcast. Oh, thanks. thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Okay, Taylor, tell me a little bit about the company and the products that you make. Sure. Dimension Polyant, as you mentioned, is the, the leader in sailcloth production. In global sailcloth production, we make sailcloth for uh, boats and yachts of all sizes from training dinghies and optimists and Olympic class uh, small boats up through the largest super yachts and uh, all racing yachts and cruising yachts in between. Our facility in Germany is mostly a, a weaving operation where we weave woven polyesters, kind of traditional white sailcloth that you might imagine. And here in Putnam, we make uh, laminate fabrics for uh, windsurf and racing yacht sails. As the, as the company has grown over the years, we've diversified into um, many other applications for our technologies uh, and making laminate fabrics for a whole host of different markets. It sounds like they definitely keep you busy. Question for you, Zach, if I may. Can you describe your customer, I guess, or end user of the products that you make? And um, what are their goals and needs? Sure, absolutely, Claire. For us here at Dementia Polyant, we primarily send our materials to the manufacturer. Then the manufacturer will create the sale or create the pack or the industrial application, the finished product, and then deliver to the end user. So we deal primarily with the manufacturer, but we also are dealing with the brand managers of the finished products. So what happens is, is it's a, it's a blending. And then what you'll get from a third party, since anyone can grab our phone number and give us a call, is we get end users that will call and say, tell me about XYZ that I'm buying from this potential customer, or I have these options from 12 different places to buy the sale for my sailboat, and what should I do? That's the toughest one from our end, because all 12 of those people are somehow our customer. But it's critical that we service all of those aspects but primarily we produce fabric that goes to the manufacturer then the manufacturer would sell to the end user like you or i if we owned a sailboat or we're going to go backpacking or we have our mountain bike where we're buying a, a bag for our bike those type of things so we're one step removed from the end user that will get our material in their finished product so if I've been on a boat, chances are I've come into contact with a Dimension Polyant product. Is that pretty much fair to say? That is fair to say. I would say that uh, since we happen to be the largest and we produce all of our own material, which is different in the industry from some of our competition. If you've been on a sailboat, one part of that process in the sales, so out of, let's say there's five sails on the boat, 
something out of that is going to have something from Dimension Powerlift. Uh, there's two or three other competitors in the industry in the sale fabric production market. And all of us are in a very small niche, but as a rule of thumb, yes, we work with everyone and you would have had something from Dementia Palliant, whether you knew it or not. Amazing. Question for you, Taylor, then, if I may, how long have you been with the company and, and how did you arrive in this role with, with Dimension? So I guess I can start from the beginning. Um, I've, well, I can start with how long I've been here. I've been here uh, at Dimension Palliant for about four and a half years. I joined in uh, early 2017. Um, and I came from um, the sail making world. And before that, I, I actually grew up at a, a small marina on the shore in Connecticut and uh, kind of always knew I wanted to do something in the marine world. And uh, one day when I was rigging up one of my, my sailboats in the spring, a guy driving by said, hey, why don't you come work at uh, Sail Loft? This summer, I said that sounds awesome. So I, I worked down at North Sales down in uh, Milford in the summers in high school and in college, and then got a full time there uh, after college. I went to uh, Worcester Polytech for mechanical engineering, and North Sales hired me as I graduated from there. And I worked for their cloth department initially, so that's kind of how I was first exposed to sailcloth and the the technology that goes into it, uh, and worked on a whole host of projects uh, for North Sales and. While I was there, I started kind of seeing the, the opportunity for applying advanced sailcloth technologies to uh, other industrial applications. And I, I actually found that uh, to be very interesting. And this job at Dimension Polyant came up to work on uh, anything but sailcloth. So my role here as head of technical fabrics is really um, all other applications for our sailcloth technologies for, for other markets. Um, so that's, that's what I do here now and have been working on for the past uh, few years here and it's uh, it's great fun i get to work in a whole different um whole different set of industries as zach has alluded to um you know a lot of backpack customers and brands uh we work in the, the photo photo and uh, videography markets with diffusion fabrics and reflective fabrics um, things like conveyor belts drum heads so we, we get to play in all these different markets that are super interesting and dynamic Wow. Isn't it funny? I would have never have thought of sailmakers being involved in so many different industries, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Backpacks. And I, I'm assuming you mean like the light reflectors used in, in photography applications and, and things like that. That's incredible. Yes. Yeah, exactly. There's, um, you know, there's been so much development and technology put into sailcloth, uh, you know, from the competition side with people always wanting an edge above their competition and our sailmaking customers in collaboration with Dimension Polyant, iterating on and, and developing new fabrics and technologies. There's been a lot of development on the, that side of the business, but also the benefactor of that is all these other other businesses and markets that are also either in the sporting world or have high demands in terms of lightweight fabrics, high strength fabrics, or specialty laminates, like you say, like reflective fabrics for uh, photography. Yeah, there's a whole whole host of other applications for these you know, generally lightweight, super strong, uh, composite laminates that we make here. Amazing. Zach, what about your good self then, please? How long have you been with the company and how did you arrive in this role? Sure. Well, I have a similar story, I guess, to Taylor, right? Uh, I kind of was born into sailing. I grew up in the Midwest, the US, USA, in Wisconsin, and went through the sailing program as a youth, went off to college and coached sailing in the summer had an opportunity to work at a sail loft, similar to Taylor, did that, left there and said, 
I don't want to do this. <laughs> and maybe two years later, while going through my master's program, working in intercollegiate athletics, I decided that maybe that wasn't the right step. So I had an opportunity to go full time. From there, I had connections with the DP group. They needed a sailmaker at the time in 2008. That's when I came to DP. And from there, we packed up the family, moved across the country, and have been with DP ever since in a variety of roles. I started at True Manufacturing. We were manufacturing high-end custom material finished membrane type sales, so high-tech sales. We've transitioned from there. I manage windsurf and kite and handheld wing, basically anything that's on the water coming from DP, somewhere I have my fingers in it and transition from manufacturing to marketing to sales to just kind of all of us are a jack of all trades at our facility. So similar background. I like to tell everyone that I went to sailmaker school and there is no such thing, <laughs> right? So most of the people that generate their life from the sailing aspect or sailmaking aspect you don't go to school for it. You get real life application training. And that's how it worked for Taylor and worked for myself to the point where you started with, here's a grommet set and this is how we build a sail to this is how we build fabric. And we develop from there. Obviously Taylor has a traditional engineering background. I have a sport management background. So it, it blends itself together well for the for both of us. I can ask technical engineering questions and, and we work well together, but that's how we got here. And the nice thing about our office in the US is everyone that's in the, the sales and manufacturing technical side of the product has a sailing background, understands what our end users are looking for. Amazing. How many employees do you have in the Germany factory and in the Connecticut factory? Do you, do you know how many employees are currently employed? Claire, I do. So in the Putnam facility, we have about 35 plus or minus in our facility. We have, we have a variety of different machinery. We have two laminators that typically run three shifts a day, uh, five or six days a week. In the, the German facility, it's about double that number. Weaving is is a bit of a slower operation and you need many more machines because it takes longer to do, but it's it's about double that number in the German facility. Gotcha, gotcha. And what does your average day look like, Zach? Give me a, an idea of what the average day looks like for Zach Clayton. Well, my average day has changed, obviously, from what it was before COVID, but the, the end result isn't different. If I'm in the office, which we used to be five days every day in the office, I'm managing email, managing phone calls, working with my customers, also working with US-based and overseas-based. Sailcloth in our facility is split a little bit. The Europe office handles Europe, Australia handles Australia, UK handles UK, but in certain markets, the US has a worldwide presence. So in windsurf and kite, we do that. And then everything, right? So since we produce in our facility, we're looking at quality control. We're looking at product development. We're working with accounting. We're working to make sure that shipping is getting out the materials that are produced and complete. So it's truly not just, hey, we're selling stuff. 
we are touching every piece of material that comes through the facility, working on grading of materials. How good is it? Does it have problems that we need to inform people about? And then developing materials, right? That's the number one focus and how you retain being a leader in the industry is coming up with new and innovative ideas along with support from our customers. So instead of just sitting behind a desk all day, we're up and down and around with the manufacturing right at our facility. That sounds super varied. I'm sure it makes the days fly by. Taylor, what about yourself? Give me an idea of what your average day would look like at Dimension. Yeah, it's it's much of the same. I'd say um, first half or third of the day is customer interactions, whether it's uh, processing orders, developing new things with customers, getting customer feedback on a number of things. And then another, another third or half is development. And then you know, QC and checking on uh, orders as they come through production. We make such a, a wide variety of, of materials here that it, it's great really to be in the office and see everything as it's manufactured. And that's one of the advantages I think we have is that uh, my office and Zach, Zach's office is about 100 feet away from our laminators and production equipment. So it's really great to be uh, that close to it and see see all the goings on in manufacturing. And then typically in a, in a not pandemic year, uh, Zach and I are on the road uh, quite a lot visiting customers, you know, boots on the ground, seeing how things are going with our customers, seeing what we can do better and seeing what um, different challenges we can help them solve. That's also a, a big part of our job uh, when, we're, when we can travel. Then this year it's been more focusing on, you know, different business segments and where we could, you know, excel in a pandemic year. I was reading on your website, Taylor, you know, you've got some impressive environmental credentials. Tell me a little bit more about the equipment and the processes you use or the machinery that you use to manufacture your products and how that kind of relates to your environmental impact. Certainly, uh, as sailors um, and people who generally enjoy the outdoors and with, with such a big footprint in terms of our products that go into outdoor markets, whether it be sailcloth, uh, windsurf fabrics, kite fabrics, or, or backpack fabrics. A huge majority of our customers are, are super focused and hyper in tune with the sustainability of their products and in turn, uh, their raw materials. So over the past year, a couple of years, we've had a, a really deep focus on, on sustainability of our processes and our plant operations. So um, from the top, we've switched over to all renewable source electricity for all of our plant operations, both in uh, Putnam and in Germany. Uh, we've also partnered with a climate partner to have all of our, our facilities uh, be carbon neutral. And we're working on increasing the recycled and natural fibers that we use in our production and in our finished materials. There's always been a, a desire for recycled content uh, fabrics or, or natural fibers in our, in our products. But until recently, the performance aspect of those uh, fibers hasn't really existed. So uh, now we're in a pretty exciting time where we can use recycled polyesters, recycled nylons, and really not have to sacrifice performance where that might have been an issue in the past. In terms of our, our manufacturing equipment, uh, it's all top of the line, um, in-house designed for the most part, uh, roll handling equipment and laminators. We have, as Zach mentioned, we have two laminators that use a solvent-based adhesive system. And we have a state-of-the-art regenerative thermal oxidizer, which takes care of uh, any of the, the off-gassing from that process and cleans 
the environment before releasing it into our beautiful uh, Putnam outdoor environment. So I think we're really the leaders in, in that respect too, when it comes to respecting the environment and, and really putting our best for, foot forward when it comes to sustainability. It's so refreshing to hear companies talking about, you know, really aiming for carbon neutral and really having an emphasis on their impact on the environment. Uh, so that's that's great to hear. Taylor, did you always plan on moving into, I guess, the manufacturing field? I would say that maybe not manufacturing so much, but I always wanted to be, I, I knew I wanted to do something in the, in the marine industry when I first set out to, to college and said, okay, my best shot of this is to get a, a mechanical engineering degree and then I can apply it to kind of whatever I find down the road. And that's so far been, been a successful way to go about it. And in college, I think I really got to know the creative side of manufacturing and the creativity that goes into it whether it's making something faster in terms of manufacturing process or more efficiently, uh, that, that became very interesting to me. And that was early on in my career, something that I, I worked on closely was, you know, streamlining manufacturing processes or, or estimating manufacturing times so that you could run a manufacturing operation more efficiently. And, and that was something that was uh, perhaps a surprise and something that I I became more interested in it as I went along. Uh, my, my dream in high school or in college was to be a sale designer. And I had an opportunity to do that. And when it came down to it, it wasn't as exciting as I, as, as I thought it might be. <laughs> and, and some of these manufacturing challenges are really interesting. And also uh, in the case here at Dimension Polyant is taking existing manufacturing technologies that we have, again, primarily developed for sale cloth, but taking that, those technologies and applying them to other other areas. And that's, for me, is what's really rewarding and exciting and dynamic. It's not just designing three corners of a triangular sail that's already pretty well sorted out in terms of how you do it. But, um, you know, we're taking, on one hand, sailcloth and converting it into uh, totally new applications for it, uh, whether it be ski skins or uh, aerospace applications or life raft reflectors it's all it's all these crazy applications that really i i you know have no knowledge of from a classical background or anything or anything in my life experience but now i'm exposed to these new new applications and that really is what's rewarding and, and i think going back to manufacturing it's just that whenever you set out to make something there's you know an infinite number of ways you could make it and you can always iterate on that to make it better and that that's what's exciting about manufacturing to me Lots of variety, that's for sure, within your yep. particular industry. Yes. Zach, a question for you then. Was it always meant to be manufacturing, your career path, or did you land in it by accident? It was certainly not, really. That was never the goal, nor was selling things. My family was in sales, and I had always said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sell anything. But I will say that one of the, the things that happened when when I started working at the sail loft in producing materials and producing finished products was the appreciation you get when you handed off the finished product to the end user. You had a personal relationship to that product rather than maybe I'm selling, um, you know, iPhones, right? There's no personal connection there. I didn't touch it. I didn't build it. I didn't start from finish from one piece to the end and then hand it off to the customer. So that part of the manufacturing, I really appreciate. And I, I think that if I wasn't at Dimension Polyamp, where we produce everything more or less under our own roof, I wouldn't have the same appreciation for 
the sales portion that I do. So the manufacturing part is critical to me. And I know Taylor and the rest of the guys will, will say that I'm maybe sometimes overly passionate about, about what we're producing and how I want the quality to be as, as high as possible and the end result to be as perfect as it can be. And that comes from the sail making aspect where if you're a millimeter off on building the sail, the customer will notice and he or she will be back in your face. So no, did I ever plan to be in manufacturing? No, I plan to be a university athletic director and quickly realized <laughs> that that was going to be a, a long project. It could have happened and I could have stuck with it. I'm sure it would have worked out. But this manufacturing is something that's near and dear to my heart as, as being a sailmaker and a professional racer before I got here. So every day, the product that we're building is something that I'm interested in, excited to work with. And Taylor's projects as well are, are super exciting where we can take something that was one thing, convert it into another, and it works for a totally different industry where typically that industry comes to us and says, I want sailcloth. And we say, well, you really don't. What do you need? And they will say, I want sailcloth. The reality is, is, is they want the technical aspects of sailcloth to fit their application. And there's very few places, certainly worldwide, and most importantly in the US, that can be that custom laminate shop. And I really have fun with that aspect of it, where we have over a thousand SKU products that we make every year when our sailcloth portfolio is maybe only a third of those. So did I plan on wow. being in manufacturing? No, but here I am. I really enjoy that part of it. And the custom shop is where I think it's it fits for me. Exciting. Yeah, very much so. And how many different lines was that? A thousand lines, did you say? Yeah, over a thousand specific products that we yes. will make in any given year. Incredible. And, and that's where that customization comes in. We fight with it every day. Most places, you know, <laughs> if I'm making, if I'm making a ballpoint pen, I might make a hundred different ballpoint pens, but they're all still a ballpoint pen. Mm -hmm. Here we make a thousand different things and very few of them are super identical. So come on then, the pandemic, worldwide pandemic, how has it affected the business? Has it affected your business at all? Uh, I certainly know that boat sales have gone through the roof here in the United States, but how did the pandemic affect your manufacturing business? Did you have any issues with the supply chain or have you seen a resurgence in, you know, this kind of Buy American campaign, I guess? Sure, Claire, I'll, ju I'll jump in there a little bit. Uh, we had to really adjust our business model. Certainly in Connecticut, there was a point last March where it was, you have to close the door and, and see what's going to happen. Luckily, we didn't have to stay closed for very long. We also were able to keep, we kept everyone, right? No one, no one lost their position. No one lost their job throughout uh, the pandemic. Did we see a reduction in, in our overall bottom line? Yes, probably 30%. Uh, down for last year, but we are diversified enough that certain markets actually increased. Uh, windsurfing increased because you can do it by yourself. 
you were also working at home or maybe not working, you had the ability to go and do those things. The, the traditional racing suffered because you couldn't have your events. So the racing product was significantly down. And then maybe Taylor, you could talk about what happened in the industrial side. But again, some of those things grew substantially because people had way more free time than being stuck in an office. But I think the best part for us is, is I've been through now two kind of crises here at DP. We had the economic crisis in 2008, and we have had this worldwide pandemic that we're dealing with now, hopefully getting to the end. And we've been able to weather the storm because of our diversification. And many of those applications, no one's, no one's had to walk away with, without their choice. So I think that's really good about the management of DP. Very much so. You uh, seem to have a, a very happy dog in the background there. Uh, Taylor, tell me a little bit about how the pandemic has affected your role at DP. You know, have you had issues with the supply chain in any way? Yeah, I think, um, I think well, we were lucky early on last March to be able to pivot uh, quickly and kind of everybody, it seemed like everybody hunkered down and you're talking to your friends and um, contacts and network in other manufacturing businesses to kind of figure out what the next steps were. And we were able to pivot quickly with a couple of our um, customers to actually supply uh, face shield films and other materials uh, that were needed at that point to kind of aid in the pandemic release. And that, that was it allowed us to stay open wow. and, um, and supply, you know, many thousands and thousands of yards of, of films that we typically use for other industrial uh, projects or, or windsurf laminates and supply those customers with, films for face shields and that was you know that that was able to help us keep keep the doors open help our, our friends and partners stay open also and like zach was saying you know some markets close completely up our, our friends and, and partners in the the movie production world obviously when hollywood shut down for for close to a year all that business stopped but also our backpack business people were getting out hiking um those smaller independent brands that were, were flexible and able to just ramp up their production in, in hiking packs and like bike packing packs, those customers had had great years and that business was was quite good. So I think in terms of our diversification, it's really, an, that's a, really a, a great point for Dimension Polyant. Um, in terms of supply chain, really our supply chain wasn't too interrupted up until um, kind of normal business returned right around, you know, December, January timeframe. And and that, I think everybody in manufacturing or in retail type business has, has seen the impact mainly in, in shipping and the delays delays in shipping everywhere and, and rising costs there and then also supply chain in terms of ramping back up to pre, pre-pandemic levels and a lag time between you know customers coming back with full orders or, or even more than full their typical full orders and um, trying to essentially play catch up once those floodgates open so uh, we're, we're definitely working through that now but finally um, I'd say definitely returning back to pre-pandemic levels in terms of the, the raw materials we have in our in our supply chain Fantastic. and uh, what we're starting to put back out the door to our, to our customers. So no issues in getting the product over from Germany, uh, from your, your sister's site there? Uh, well, well, it's, you know, it's interesting. Germany now, even okay. now, as of this week, you know, late late May, they're still pretty much in lockdown with curfews and, uh, yeah. you know, heavy, heavy travel and work restrictions. So Still no, no real issues as far as I know in terms of getting product from them, but I know 
in terms of personal their their personal lives and travel and getting back to normal. Uh, Europe is still and uh, Germany is still quite a long way away from being where we stand right now in in the U.S. with really getting back to normal in a pretty expedited kind of way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So thinking more of manufacturing as a career, so what advice or guidance would you give a young person or maybe somebody returning to the workforce or looking to reskill? What guidance or advice or tips would you give to somebody who is considering a career in the manufacturing field? I personally have always looked at looked at my career and what I want to do is is and, and the advice I'd tell somebody else would be to, to do something you're, you're keenly interested in. Uh, for me, it was sailing or, or the marine industry in general, and it's led me down this path, and I'm very happy with how it turned out. But uh, no matter you know what where someone comes from in life, there's probably something they're passionate about, whether it's uh, baseball or cars or anything like that. And all those industries are supported by manufacturing. And if you're a car guy and really into to wheels, you know there's somebody out there making wheels, or maybe you make the wheels yourself. And that's a, a manufacturing process that's interesting and. And like Zach says, it's something you can be deeply involved with, you know, really involved in whatever industry you might um, take a liking to and and leave your fingerprints on it. That's what I'd say to anybody thinking about going into manufacturing is, you know, really find what you're interested in and and go and find the person that does that. And I think that's that's kind of a key to success, whether you're interested in aircraft and working at one of the, the big OEMs in, in manufacturing aircraft parts or components or you know, whatever it might be, computers, iPhones, uh, coffee mugs, anything, um, all that, everything has to be made. And um, I, I think people don't don't really think about that. No. Um, you know, who, who makes your sunglasses or who's the guy designing your sunglasses? Yeah. Is that something you're interested in? I mean, somebody's got to do it and, and make those things. So to me, it's worth it to be involved in what you're you're interested in outside of your professional life. Yep, sound advice. Anything to add to that, Zach? I think that you know Taylor hits it out of the park there on that statement. Is that find something that you're passionate in, and then you can figure out where you slide into the matrix. In a manufacturing perspective, I look at I look at one of the biggest builders here in Connecticut, right? Electric boat building submarines for our nation, and. You can be a welder there, but you can be a welder for something that you have no interest in and it won't be as rewarding. So find something that has some sort of connection to what is rewarding to you. And you have a much better chance, one, to enjoy what you do every day, two, excel and exceed at it because you're interested in it. And then three, you get the opportunity to move up the chain because you're excited about it and passionate about it. That's that's kind of the the cycle I've been able to take is step from, I performed in the sport, I built the products in the sport, now I've stepped up to manufacturing the materials that go into the sport. So that type of connection, that type of passion and excitement is where you'll get the opportunity as someone moving into the manufacturing field to step up the the ranks per se is if you have that passion if you don't you end up bouncing around and, and maybe you do a lot of different manufacturing jobs until you find the one that you're passionate about or have a personal connection to yep the one that puts fire in your belly i totally get it uh zach question for you then i want you to look into your crystal ball do you have any predictions about the future of manufacturing in your view and about doing business perhaps in the state of Connecticut? Sure. If I had my crystal ball, 
I'm probably not the cup is half full kind of guy. So everyone that works with me at the office will know that. I do think that there is always a place for manufacturing both in Connecticut and in the United States. We are one of the unique places and businesses here where, and Taylor can correct me if I'm wrong, but about 60 or 70% of what we make in the US leaves. So we're more of an exporter than an importer and it leaves the US, right? We send a, a vast majority of our material to Asia when it's complete and then it may come back into the US as a finished product. So that's, that's a unique factor. Obviously in Connecticut, there's always some challenges. Uh, we have 50 states in this great country and they're all competing for the limited manufacturing facilities that are there. So there has been some of that ebb and flow that we've seen through throughout Connecticut. I, I hope that what we see is we see a, a resurgence of technical products and products that are difficult to transport sticking in the U.S. and continuing to grow in both Connecticut and, and manufacturing in the U.S. I think that'll happen. The logistics of freight and the cost of freight continue to rise and will always continue to do so. So if we can get um, competent, skilled workforce that is passionate about what they do and find the right manufacturing things that are not easily duplicated or sourced somewhere else, then we've got a good shot to see manufacturing continue for a long, long time, both here in Connecticut and throughout the rest of the US. Mm, very much so. Taylor, what about yourself? Anything to add? Uh, yeah, so certainly. I think, you know, Connecticut has a rich and super advanced manufacturing history, whether it be, you know, all the, all the manufacturing that happens down, you know, in the western half of the state with Waterbury and Bridgeport and New Haven and manufacturing up through Hartford or kind of where we are out in Putnam, the textile industry and all the, um, the history and, you know, kind of deep rooted knowledge that exists throughout the state in those industries. I think it still exists there and there's still kind of that underlying heritage of, of manufacturing. I hope that continues to exist because there's a lot of know-how that's still around and out there now that exists. And um, hopefully I'd say, you know, new, new companies or, or people investing in Connecticut realize that because I think that some of the best manufacturers out there doing the most advanced things, particularly metal machining and, and some of the machine shops you, you walk into around the state, they're really amazing recognizing the talent that's out there, I think is, is important. And I hope the, um, the state and the leadership of the state can, and it seems like they certainly are, but, but pushing that um, and recognizing uh, those aspects and kind of your, your base talent level for, for those activities here in Connecticut. I think that'll be important going forward. Last question for you, gentlemen, then. Uh, again, I want you to try and predict the future, but Taylor, starting with yourself, what do you think the future looks like for you in terms of your career and your role in the next five? To, you know, normally we do five or 10 years, and I, I kind of hesitant to do that uh, after the year we've just had, but what does the future hold for you? Where do you see yourself going from here? Uh, I think, um, I mean, I'm, I'm excited at the future just in terms of the the development that we do here at Dimension Poly and, and kind of the, the investments and in technologies that we're making now that will really come to fruition in, in five years and 10 years, really making a step change in textile technologies, whether it's using new materials or sustainable materials or better yet, sustainable performance 
fabrics and fibers. I think I think taking that to the next level is really really exciting and something that um, I hope to be involved with going forward. And every single market will be looking for it. You know, sailcloth, our outdoor business with um, backpack fabrics and other outdoor and and, and even the industrial markets that we uh, have our hands in. Everybody's going to be looking for more sustainable and higher performance fabrics going forward. So I'm I'm excited to be a part of that. There's plenty to keep you busy at DP by the sounds of it, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, what about yourself? What does the future hold for you uh, other than more travel, I would gather? Absolutely. I, I'm certainly excited in the next year to get back to uh, seeing all our valuable customers throughout the US and throughout uh, the rest of the world. But I think the the Taylor is spot on there. You know, the sailcloth industry, certainly the laminate industry that we do here in Connecticut has not been able to, to really dive head into, into the recyclability or the, the carbon neutrality aspect of it. And, and hopefully we'll be able to get there. You know, obviously sailing in itself is more beneficial to the environment than firing up the key of my giant motorboat and, and, and blasting out to Block Island, for example. But if we can get to a point where DP can de- develop you know, a, a quality recyclable sailcloth in the next five or 10 years, that would be, that would be a marked change in the industry and would be a, a cosmic shift. So I expect and hope that we are there with that. And then, boy, you know, on, on a personal level, I, I really enjoy being at DP. It's a family organization. We just had some employees that have made 35 and 40 years with Dimension Polyant. So I didn't start here at DP soon enough to get there, but certainly I hope that uh, I can end my career here and, and enjoy uh, being involved in the marine industry for the rest of my time. Can't say fairer than that, Zach. Fantastic. Taylor, you've got your work cut out there. He set you a few tasks there. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you today and learning more about the things that you're getting up to at DP. If people wanted to continue this conversation and find out more, or maybe they'd like to to learn more about the products that you offer, how can they reach out and get in touch with you? Sure. I think the best place to start would probably be Mention Polly and websites, just www dimension-polyant.com. We just launched our new uh, backpack fabric website. Uh, that product line is called XPack, and that is www.x-pack.com. Um, so that's a good place to, to jump to to see what we do um, and, and the products that we make. And then if you have any more questions, just give us a shout. We're here to answer the phones anytime or, or email. Amazing. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to catching up with you in the future as you strive towards that carbon neutral. Go on. Thanks, Claire. It's been a a pleasure uh, talking to you today and I look forward to the future. Thank you, Claire. It was awesome. I really appreciate the time and uh, good luck with trying to get back to visit home at some point too. (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this edition of Meet the Manufacturers, brought to you by Manufacture CT. If you would like to find out more about Manufacture CT, or you would like to join the organization, you can visit the website manufacturect.org. This podcast is sponsored by Cone Resnick, one of the largest accounting, tax, and business advisory companies in the United States. Visit their website for more details, coneresnick.com. Cone Resnick, advisory, 
Assurance Tax.